All right, everyone. Welcome. This is January. January is Rhythms Month. All right, so you can see the graphic on the top of your of your page because every Sunday in in um, in January we have been pausing and we're going to, we've been focusing on a spiritual rhythm. So it's been really really important for us just to pause and say, okay, what are the things that we can do to start this year well? All right, and so today. Today, we are going to be talking about probably the most underestimated or the most underutilized of all of the rhythms. This is the one that we probably need the most, right? This is the one that we probably should, should do the, you know, to think the most seriously, but this is the one that is most underutilized and maybe even not taken as seriously. And that, of course, is this discipline or this spiritual rhythm of silence and solitude. So, just to bring it up into up to speed, the thing that we is the the thing that is most underutilized, right? The thing that is not used the most, right? Is hang on, sorry, there's my phone is blowing up here. Sorry, Nicole's not here, and so um, I just told her I'd keep it on here. Um, so, um, the spiritual discipline that's the most underutilized, let me see if I can, golly, hang on, there must be something going on here, is the silence and solitude. Because there are things in our life that just continue to blow up our phones or continue to distract us. All right, so whoever's out there texting, you can quit now. The, 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 we've made our point, is that we're just always being distracted. And so let me say it one more time. This, the rhythm that is probably the most underutilized, or maybe even the rhythm that's not taken as seriously as we need it to be, is this rhythm of silence and solitude. There's this guy named Dallas Willard. He knows a thing or two about spiritual rhythms. He spent his entire life teaching about the subject and writing about the subject. He says in today's day and time, because of the busyness and because of the noise, he actually puts a V, an article before it. He says this is the most important rhythm for today's Christian because we're so busy because we're so distracted, that we do not know how to be alone with God at all. And so we have to take it more seriously, and we have to make sure that we are um, engaging with it well. All right, so what is this rhythm of silence and solitude? What is this thing? So let me just give us a running definition, okay? The running definition is that you and I need to be creating space, all right, so that's just an easy kind of platform there is that you and I need to be creating play, uh, creating space that is devoid of distraction, okay? And that's a key, key part of the definition. Not just creating space, but devoid of distraction for the purpose of working on, okay? Or deepening your relationship with the Lord. So there's three parts to that. One is that you and I are being, we're creating space and we're being devoid of distraction for the purpose of working on our relationship with the Lord. 
this is not the most popular of all the, the disciplines. This is not the most popular because this is a rhythm of abstinence. All right, This is a rhythm where we actually have to tell ourselves no, and none of us want to tell ourselves no. No one wants to say, oh, I'm going to not do this. We know of abstinence in this, this kind of the rhythm of either not eating or not drinking. That's called fasting. Or with, withholding so like, like intimacy, you know, for a certain time or those types of things. But this is a rhythm of abstinence where you are devoid of the noise, devoid of interruptions so that you can have a relationship with the Lord. We want you to take this rhythm seriously because we want you to walk with Jesus more deeply. You cannot walk with the Lord if you're always busy. And so it's creating space, right? Being able to like have this place of devoid. However, it's also this, this idea of walking with the Lord, right? Right? Not being distracted, right? Following the Lord, However, it's also a rhythm where you stop and you rest. And so it's not just this rhythm of abstinence where you say no to something. It's actually also a rhythm of a gift. Some people have described it as a rhythm of grace. We know these scriptures because it says, By grace you have been saved, not by works. And so this idea of silence or solitude or rest or with retreat is this idea that you're not working anymore. You're actually unplugging maybe for the first time and you're actually doing without. So this is actually a rhythm of grace where he has to come to you and he has to give to you and he has to fill you up. The scriptures also tell you that you are to abide with Christ for you to hold on to Christ, to cling to Christ, to make your home with Christ. How can you do that with all the distractions, with all of the noise? You and I are great performers. You and I are great at doing things with great purpose and those types of things. This rhythm of silence, this solitude, is this idea or permission for you to stop working for you to stop being a people pleaser, for you to stop obsessing, for you to stop your mind going a hundred different directions, for you simply to stop and to rest. There is a small little adage, right, that is important for us, that we are human beings, not human doings, right? We're human beings. So before we do, we have to be something. And who you are is more important than what you do. And yet we have turned the Christian life into what you do or how you perform or your job or you holding up your end of the bargain. That's not Christianity at all. The essence of Christianity is not what you do for God. It's what God has, what, what God has already done for you. This idea of silence and solitude and rest and relinquishing all control is this idea of God being God in your life. And that's what we want for you. That's what I want for you. I want you not just to be a doer. I want you to be and understand who you are and how God made you and for God to actually speak into your life. And so I know that uh, there's some businessmen out there 
they're like, yo, that ain't for me. I know that there's some stay-at-home moms that are like, uh-uh, nuh-uh, you don't know my kids. I know some college students that are like, exam time, scope and sequence and syllabus. They're like, uh-uh. So of all the rhythms, like, yeah, tell me to read the Bible preacher, right? But to, like, to say that I need silence and solitude, that's just not going to happen. I just don't have time for that. And what we're saying is the opposite. It's a double negative in the best use of a double negative. That you don't have time not to have silence and solitude. If you don't have silence and solitude, if you don't walk into an intimate relationship where you're actually hearing him speak over you, or as Zephaniah would say, as you hear him sing over you, then it's just a humanist religion. It's just you doing all the work and you coming to the table. And that's not Christianity. Silence and solitude's not like any other religion at all. God doing all the work and you reaping all the benefits. The only thing our society knows is this idea of maybe Buddhism or maybe Hinduism where you sit and you meditate and you empty yourself. That's the worst Who wants to be empty? This life is to be full and complete and sure and strong. It's not to empty yourself. It's to be filled up. So what are you going to fill yourself up with? Yourself? The noise of this world? Let's go after a better substance. Let's go after something that will last eternity. Let's go after God himself. So Psalm 62 is one of the many passages that talks about silence and solitude and this value. Now, it wasn't, it was, we don't have enough time to talk through all of the passages in the scriptures, right? So we just picked one, right? We just picked one and we said, okay, let's think about this passage and let's do it well. And let's, let's bring about some principles from Psalm 62. So there's going to be four principles of silence and solitude that we will find in Psalm 62 alone. Not that there's only four principles, but this will will get us going. All right, so Psalm 62, uh, 1 through 7. Let's read it together. I'll read it. You You just read it. Psalm 62 says this. Verse 1 says this. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. That's a pause. That's silence. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is found in him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. 
On God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God and God alone. This is Isaiah 6. This is coming out, coming heavy. In verse 1, it tells us that this is a discipline, this is a rhythm that should be important for us. So principle number one, if you guys are a little OCD and want to write these things down, principle number one actually comes from verse one, is this, silence and solitude has a singular focus, okay? Silence and solitude has a singular focus. All right, look at, look at verse one. It says this, for God alone my soul waits, alone, that's it, a singular focus, it's God and God alone, Right? And then he says in verse 2, it says this, He alone is my rock and my salvation. For God alone, he alone, I will wait in silence. The end all, the be all, the reason that you walk into the spiritual rhythm is for God. Not for yourself, but for God because he's there and he's waiting. And he wants you to just simmer down so you can hear him speak for you to pause so that he can speak over you. And then verse five says it again. It says this, for God alone, my soul, wait in silence. Verse six, he only is my rock. This idea is that it is him and him alone. The goal of this Christian practice is God. Why do you wait? God. Why are you silent? God, why are you all by yourself in the woods, in a cabin? God, why would you rearrange your schedule? God, why would I go through this? God, silence and solitude have a singular focus. Alone, 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 only, the scriptures say. In my scriptures, I have those four words highlighted because I want to make sure that I do not turn something good into something about me. I want to make sure that any time there's silence and solitude in my life, it's about him, not me. It's easy to get that reversed, where it's all about me. It's only about me. The Christian practice has God at its focus. And so the benefits... The benefits only is God. We get God. It's been my prayer this morning that there would be two pronouns or two prepositions that would change your life. More words. For God and God alone. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Do you see him? It is for God that we wait in silence. It's for him. For is a, is a results type of word, right? It's, it's for God. The results are God. But then also the word from. From him comes my salvation. For him, I wait silently. From him, meaning from is a source word. So the result of the silence and the source of the silence, both for and from, is God and God alone. Silence and solitude has a solitary and a single focused focus is God and God alone. Because we want to be people that trust in him. So often 
you and I bail ourselves out way too quickly. In silence and solitude, there's no bailing out. There's no rescue unless it's by God and God alone. This is strategically putting yourself in a position where God has to speak. And when he speaks, he speaks very personally to you. So principle number one, silence and solitude has a singular focus. All right, principle number two, silence and solitude gets up close and personal. Okay, so number two, silence and solitude gets really close and gets really, really personal. All right, let's, let's check out some of these personal pronouns in Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Jerry Williams in our study on Mondays counted. There's 16 personal pronouns in these seven verses. And so you cannot be left out of the equation. The singular focus is God, right? But the intent of this time is for him to speak and to build and to, to, to rescue you. And so the, the second thing is to realize that you are a piece of this and you have to be a piece of this. And it gets up close and it gets very, very personal. Your walk with Jesus has you. God is always calling us to something. At the end of your time of silence and solitude, you have to raise your hand at some point and say, that is true of me. That's true of me. I believe that God is my rock. And I have to believe that God is my fortress. And I have to believe that God is my salvation. And I have to believe that God is my refuge. And this is on you and your belief systems. And it takes time and it takes energy and it takes space for you to come to these very essential moments in your spiritual life to say, yes, it may be true of them, but it's also very true for me. That this is what I believe, that I will not be shaken because I believe that God is the rock that he says he will be, that he is the salvation that he says he is. And nobody can do that for you but you. You have to declare, declare it for yourself. You can't marry into a relationship with Jesus. You cannot be born into a relationship. Your mom and dad or your grandpa cannot give it to you. It is personal. It is relational. It is sure, surely between you and your heavenly father. It gets up close and it gets personal. In silence and solitude, one guy said, I get rid of my scaffolding because there are no friends to talk to, no telephone calls to make. No meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no books to distract. Just me, vulnerable. It is in this nothingness that I have to face my solitude. A nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to turn to my friends and turn to my work, and turn to my books, and to turn to entertainment, and turn to these distractions so that I can forget about myself 
And so often the things in our lives, the noise in our life just clouds out because we're just unwilling to just let your be, yourself to be vulnerable and open. This idea that it's silence and solitude is this idea that there, it's not silent at all because you're being very real about who you are, as vulnerable and weak as you are. And you're also hearing the clatter. You're hearing the noise of God redirecting and healing some of that weaknesses, weakness. Silence and solitude is one of my favorite rhythms. And I would encourage you, if you haven't ever spent a, a large chunk of time away just for the sake of deepening your relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you that, that you would spend one time this year to detach yourself from that. For you to take one day, a half a day, one and a half days. It doesn't matter the time, but for you to intentionally circle a time on your calendar to say, I am going away because I need to hear what God has to say for me. But when you get by yourself and you really are by yourself and you're away from all of the, the distractions and there's nothing to distract, I will. there has to be a warning here that the worst parts of yourself come bubbling up and the most scary insecurities will find their, their way shrieking out of you. And all the things, the scaffolding or the facade of what you've built up actually starts crumbling down. This is not an easy, maybe even refreshing time. Sometimes it can be some of the scariest, some of the hardest, maybe for some of us the most painful place because we have to be who we are. We can fake ourselves out. We can fake our family or our friends out. We can fake our church family out. We can't fake God out. You can't lie to God very easily. And that's why silence and solitude is so very important. Maybe for the first time in your life, you stop lying. And you get to be honest. And it hurts and it's painful. But who's going to rush in to help? Who's going to rush in to heal? A Facebook post or a Netflix show or a tub of ice cream or the comfort of your spouse? They're not there. You have to be healed. You have to be rescued. You have to be bailed out by God alone. But he created you and he loved you and he will never leave you or forsake you. And that's what we want we want to stop a religious action. And we want you to deepen your relationship with God where you say, I trust him. I trust him. I gave him everything. I confessed everything. And you know what? He didn't flinch. He didn't blink. All he did was care for me and love me and build a fortress and put a rock underneath me and says, I'm yours. The glory that you have comes from me and me alone. Who wouldn't want that? But it has to come through a tearing down first and foremost. And so it's not silent at all. It has to be singular in focus. But it's got to get up close and it's got to get personal. Number three is that it has to correspond with real life. 
There's this, this, uh, this, this messy middle in the middle of this, this psalm. Check it out. So he's spending all of his time talking about God and me and my salvation. Everything's going great, right? Like everything. I mean, this sounds like a, a chorus that we're singing on Sunday morning. And the verse 3 sounds like a sad song, right? This sounds like a country song or something. Verse 3 says this, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? I've got clubs and sticks and I've got spikes and I've got thorns and I've got something else and I'm doing something with you to you and I'm battering you and you're so defeated that you're like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from a high position. No, thank you. I don't like these people. I don't know them, but I don't like them, right? They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. And so here we have in the middle of this psalm is this idea that real life happens. And so that's why silence and solitude has to correspond with real life. Because real life will happen. In real life, there will be things that will crumble. In 2010, on the tiny island of Haiti, Haiti and Dominican Republic. There was a massive earthquake. And in the moment, just in, in seconds, the, literally the entire country shook. And then moments later, the entire country crumbled. In a snap of your finger, in the length of just a couple of minutes, an entire infrastructure of a poor Caribbean country, literally came crumbling down, became just literally collapse. Some say 250,000 people died that day or the days following. Some have the estimates more than double that because of the aftermath and those kinds of things. Whatever it is, great tragedy. So in the, in the aftermath of an earthquake and in the aftermath of such death and turmoil and pain, then the talking point shifted away from the earthquake and away from death and toward infrastructure and government and architecture. And they said, why in the world does this type of thing happen? And the blame started not to blame the earthquake. How are you going to stop that? Not really blaming the people for doing anything wrong, but blaming the, the structures, blaming the Capitol building that was literally crumbled, a hospital that collapsed on itself, an elementary school that was just, you couldn't even see it. So where all of the pain and all of the anger and all of the talking points for months on end was not about the earthquake but about the foundation or the structure or the fact that the place crumbled and was in bits. We have a life that's going to rumble. We're going to have a life that looks and feels like it's going to be shaken. Real life, real situations. More times than not, you're not going to look at the rumbling underneath. You're just going to blame the things that starts crashing down around you. You can't ignore the fact that your life may be in shambles right now. 
And you cannot point back to a time where there was something silent and quiet because all you see is the devastation around you. What silence and solitude does is it forces us to look at foundational issues and blame the things that are underneath rather than just the things that are on top. Is your life on the verge of collapse? I would encourage you, because only you know, for you to pause, for you to spend some time with God so that he can speak to you. There's no five-step program that can help. You need the voice of the Lord to speak in. The tottering fence is a real analogy. And it's not going to hold up anybody or keep anybody out. You don't want to be in this position. There's a place in this passage that I've grown to love. Look in verse 1. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. And then look at verse 5. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. They, they seem almost identical, don't they? They seem like they're, I'm just, until you start drawing lines down and start connecting all of the words, then you see that there's a subtle shift from for my God alone, my soul waits in silence. Two, for God alone, hard comma. Oh, my soul, which is a pleading and a begging, wait in silence. There's this idea that you and I have to fit these things in our life and we have to preach this thing to ourselves over and over and over. And you have to keep telling yourself, soul, you got to wait there. You got to rest there. And so out of this crumbling and out of all of the mashup that's happening in, this, in three and four, you have to preach this gospel to yourself over and over. Don't move. Soul. Oh, so just wait there. It's not, I'm gonna, I wanna. It's like, stop, still, you're gonna have to do it. And so principle number three is that it has to correspond with real life. And then the last way, lastly, is silence and solitude gives you surety and gives you protection, all right? We haven't even talked about all these nouns, but these nouns are amazing and are rich and bountiful and good, there are things like salvation and rocks. There are things like fortresses. There are things like rock and salvation and fortress and salvation and glory and rocks and refuge over and over and over. There are these nouns that are strong and they're good and they're not going anywhere and they're everlasting. They're older than you and you're able to stand on them. No, you're able to build things on them. No, you're able to build a society on them. They're strong and they're sure and they're protective. You're able to go in them and something else will protect you and just on and on and on. It's amazing what gray matter like a rock or granite or something like that, how beautiful and glorious it is. 
but you want it when there's arrows or something else out there trying to get to you. That's when you want rocks and fortresses and refuges in your disposal. And this is who God is. Silence and solitude is about God and him promising who he is first and foremost before what he does. And he's the rock and he's the salvation and he is a refuge and a fortress and he will be your glory. It has to be sure and it is for your possession. Again, there's a progression here. This idea of rock and rock and salvation is salvation. But at the end of this passage, there's a couple of things. A fortress became a refuge. It just got a little softer and a little more beautiful. There was no glory in the first half. But coming through silence and solitude and through, he says, you are my glory. And then he says, rest. You're going to find rest here. And so there's a progression here. And he says, I will not be greatly shaken until verse 5 and 6. He says, not going to be shaken. And so this progression of maturity is that on the other end of silence and solitude, on the other end of God walking beside you, you will be changed and you will be more sure and you will be better protected. These are promises of God's word, not ours. So the four principles is that it has to have a singular focus. God alone and him only. It has to give, get up close and personal. My, 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 I, all those personal pronouns. It has to correspond with real life. The fact that tottering fences and leaning walls are a real thing. And lastly, that it gives you surety and protection. And so how do you do this? How do you do this? Let's look together in our worship guide and let's just walk through one, chat, one verse of the Bible real quick. So how in the world would you do this? This is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We want to have the rhythms of Jesus. All right, so let's just, let's just go by his playbook. Mark 1, verse 35. And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. First and foremost, it's got to be intentional. Notice that he rose, he got out of bed, right? That's good. It was very early in the morning, right? While it was still dark. Like no one gets up this early on accident. It was intentional. Number, rule number one is it's got to be intentional. You're going to have to scar out on your, on your calendar sometime, someplace for that. I know what you're saying. I don't have time for this or you just don't know how busy I am. Look at these two examples, one in Psalm 62 and here in Mark 1. Psalm 62 is when all of your world is being blown to bits. When do you need silence and solitude? Then. Here in Mark and in other places where we see Jesus, Jesus' ministry is going amazing. When do you need silence and solitude? Then. And so when things are going, you know, being blown to bits or when things couldn't be better, 
these are the times where you need silence and solitude in your life. But it has to be intentional. Number two, uh, rule number two is that you got to get out of here. All right. So that's rule number two is the fact that he rose early in the morning while it was still dark, but he departed and he went to a desolate place. All right. So it's got to be other than where you are. All right. So it doesn't matter where you go, but that's, that's kind of the rule is that it needs to be some other place. And then number three, lastly, pray. Why did he go? Why did he get up early? Why did he leave? Right. To veg out, put cucumbers on your, on your, um, eyes, you know, to go to the spa, right? To, you know, work on your hangnail, you know, no, to go shopping. No, he went to pray. And so what do you pray for? You pray to God because it's singularly focused. You pray for yourself, right? Because it's personal and it's close. You pray for the circumstances, your junk, the stuff that's going on in your life because real life, it has to correspond with real life. And then lastly, you pray to be changed. You pray for surety and protection that there will be a progression in your heart and your soul. This is silence and solitude. Jesus did this a lot. Um, I won't read these, but I've got 10 or 11 of these passages on my screen that just walk through the many, many, many times when Jesus had this rhythm. This is not a one-off. This is, some, this is not like Hawaii where you just do it once and you check it off your bucket list. This is a rhythm. And Jesus's rhythm is when it got hard and when there was great success, he found an intentional time to step away just to be with the Father. So how do we respond? What do we do? Um, the care team um, has been doing a great job this season of walking us through experiential prayers, prayers on what it would look like and how we are to respond appropriately in prayer. And so today, they're like, how do we respond in a moment like this? Well, they wanted us all to respond and they wanted it to be a visual kind of expression of what we're going to do and who we are. And that we're all in this together and that there's that, that we're, it's more level, right? And more unified than it is different or unique. So if you're a guest here, you know, um, we've never done this before, um, but we may do this many more times because this will have a beautiful thing. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to create a circle, around this kind of mat here. And we're actually going to spend some time in silence. And we're actually going to spend some time in prayer as a body of believers. Now, if you find this uncomfortable, there's a bathroom that way and that way, right? Or there's a curtain that way that you can just like duck in behind Eric Rose, right? Nobody will ever notice, right? But we would encourage you, right? maybe even to step into the awkwardness and be forced to kind of stare at somebody across the room. So go ahead and stand. And wherever you are, the, the closest outside rim, get there and then we'll just fill in the circle and we'll respond with a time of prayer, of silence and solitude. Let's spend some time before the Lord and the Lord only.
passage says, for God and God alone. Tell him right now, whether you're comfortable just being with him and possibly just how uncomfortable you might be when it's just you and him all by yourself. This is a safe space where all of us are declaring to God alone. But it's also a safe space that we all have stuff in our life. Spend a little time letting God get up close and personal where either you're vulnerable with him and just making it my God and my salvation. Spend a little time making this prayer personal. What would it be like if we were all so bold to tell him this morning, I want to change? Or to be so bold to say, Lord, I need your salvation. Or Lord, I believe you for what you say you are and what you do. Beg for some of that change in your own heart. Beg for some of that surety in your heart. Beg that he and he alone would be your protection, your refuge, and a fortress, and a rock. And if you feel comfortable, repeat, Psalm 62, after me. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He alone, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Jesus, we live in a very loud world. And maybe the most ungodly thing in our society may not be what is provocative or addicting. Maybe it's distraction. Got to pray for us as a community that we would starve these distractions and that we would feed our focus on God and God alone. Forgive us for being too quickly swayed to run toward momentary pleasures. 
Make us sure and protect us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.